Welcome to Career Crossroads Uncorked, a series of member chats inspired by good drinks and current talent acquisition trends. Your hosts, Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin, break down today's recruiting headlines while reviewing a select beverage of choice with industry leaders and influencers. Join us for a drink and conversation. Welcome, everybody. This is a CXR special podcast. Uh, this segment is called Uncorked, and this is where we grab one of our favorite people in the space uh, and sit down uh, typically with their drink of choice, if we can get a hold of it, uh, and talk with them over that bottle or that glass or that mixer uh, about what's going on in their world, uh, what's hot in the space, what's top of mind. And so I'm excited that Jerry and I have uh, a repeat guest. I think, Marcus, you've been on the show before, but you've not done an Uncorked with us, have you? I have not, and I, I felt I felt left out last time when I found out that wine could have been involved. So I had to insist that wine was involved the next time. Yeah, well, it's a good call. So, Marcus, as we jump right in, uh, why don't you give a little bit of an escalator pitch uh, as to who you are and what you do and, and where you're seated? Yeah, so uh, my name is Marcus Thorpe. Um, I am currently uh, the global head of talent acquisition for ThoughtWorks. We are now newly a public software consultancy, um, building bespoke software for you know big big companies and clients, airlines and banks and retail companies that don't typically specialize in building their own software. And I've been here four and a half years. Um, I'm based out of my home office, which is what you see behind um, in uh, the Peak District, so the hills um, to the south east of Manchester in the UK. Um, and uh, living with my three kids, my wife, and two dogs at this point. And um, yeah, my my sort of my shtick is tech recruiting. So I've worked for some of the bigger names within the tech space. You know, building uh, significant tech product, software engineering teams, etc. Um, kind of fell into it. I blame it on my dad. My dad was an electrical engineer, so I, I blame my ability to have some rapport with people of a logical bent on my dad. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've been at it for 25 odd years now. And, um, there are always new challenges to solve for and scale to build and, um, people to develop and grow and, um, within this space. So it keeps me busy and interested and I'm paid relatively well to buy this fine wine in front of me. Well, and you, you are a little bit of the, you are a fan of the grape juice, right? Like you, you're a bit of a wine fan. I yes. am. Yes. I, um, I think the last time we saw you live was uh, what we were in um, Napa. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Sonoma, Napa. Yeah, I, um, I've had to rebuild. Went moving from the US to here. Couldn't really bring my wine. A couple of jobs I had, I actually persuaded them to break their reload policy by insisting my two hundred bottles of wine move from LA to Seattle and Seattle to the East Coast. But getting that. Uh, transatlantic was probably too much so i had to sort of give it away um when i left new jersey and start again funnily enough there's lots of countries around here that allow me to do that so it's it's not look at jerry's face i i was around when you were giving that away i just realized i was not within with that largesse i hope you had some children or fine relatives as opposed to professional acquaintances that you you gave that to otherwise i'm gonna be jealous <laughs> to, be, to be to be completely fair my colleagues didn't get any um 
most of our things, including TVs, which don't ship to the UK because it's an entirely different system than it is from in, in the US and North America, they all went to my uh, brother's-in-law who lived uh, just across the border in Toronto. I so understand. So I had to sneak it in. I had to That's hide the investment. TV under, underneath uh, suitcases and the wine sort of underneath the carpet or two and then just wave nicely at the Canadian Border Control as, as I sort of um, basically smuggled it into, into southern Canada. Okay. So, yeah, nothing, nothing personal. Apologies. It didn't, it didn't stay I, in the I, I, I never took it personal. I just... <laughs> I just felt a loss. <laughs> Missed opportunity. So, Marcus, what did uh, what did you pick for your drink of choice today? Ah, so this is um, you know, I, I chose this because it's uh, I'm I'm a huge advocate of Costco wine, which may not necessarily follow, and you know that there are other fine places you can buy wine as well, but Costco is the largest buyer of wine in the world. As, as a company, the, yep. um, uh, there's a documentary, if you care to find it, about the, the lady who was a buyer at Costco with no prior wine experience, who has become their lead uh, wine purchaser and had to go through various training, et cetera. But they do a really, really good job of um, variety of wine, mixing it up. It's not always the same ones each time. And also they do a really good job of sharing notes so you don't have to guess what stuff is. And... You know, they'll pull the, the Robert Parker reviews or, or wherever the reviews are from to give people an indication of what, what we're talking about and some tasting notes, et cetera. So um, that's my precursor. But I went for a, a, something European since I'm now over here and um, need to start selling for the, um, well, when I bought it for the EU, which we're now no, no longer part of. Um, but this is an Italian. It's a Chianti Classico. It's a Reserva. And um, uh, Castello di Volpea. So it's, 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 it's big and meaty. 2015, um, it's probably only just starting to be drinkable because um, it is a, it is, it is a, a slightly older, um, uh, longer-lasting wine. But um, I've had one before. It was delicious. And when I thought, mm. let's find something that we can get across the ocean, uh, this seemed to be the one. Very nice. Uh, right. that's, a, that's good information about Costco. I, I am a member of Costco, but I've not used it in well over a year, I'm going to go to Costco and see what they've got from a wine point of view. That's, that's good, good information. Thank you, Marcus. It is, um, I, I haven't renewed my Costco membership since leaving California. I don't, I don't know why I haven't gotten around to doing it, but I do remember. Sam's in Texas, right? Uh, isn't, Sam's is different than Costco, right? Yeah, but it, I, I'm saying it's sort of south of sort of, um, uh, Wyoming, you start picking up more of a Sam's Club affinity rather than a Costco one. Yeah, 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 that's true. But I do remember them always having like the wine ratings, and there was always a nice variety, uh, and then a couple of staples that you would always grab, the easy stuff. What I did learn is the liquor store for Costco does not require a Costco membership. You can just roll on up to a Costco liquor store, go right on in, and and buy whatever you want and roll on out of there without a card. And depending on which state you're in, the liquor store may be part of Costco and it may be a different building adjunct to the, the, the Costco. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I just remember feeling really dejected. They were like, I was like, here's my card. He's like, we don't need your card. I'm like, well, shit, I bought that card halfway for the liquor. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I have a, a couple uh, cases of this, by the way. So 
This is a Chianti Classico Reserva. Viticchio is the um, producer. Very nice. Um, Wine Spectator puts it at 94. Wow. Okay. At less than 20 bucks. That's Very nice. nice. And so I got, you know, I, I said, hmm, as the regular drink uh, that I might want to have uh, during the course of a week or whatever, you know, nothing particularly special, but but good quality and drinkable goes down well. Um, this is a lovely Chianti Classico Reserva. And for those who are into the Sangiovese grape, uh, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a good choice uh, from my perspective. I'm going to make a note of that because um, clearly your midweek drinking is at a higher quality than mine, and I need to up the ante a little bit. So I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> so Marcus, when you said that that the Chianti is just drinkable, <clears throat> that it's one that ages, how would somebody who doesn't know any better avoid buying? buying and drinking one that they should be buying and, and sort of sitting on for a while. Do you got to look I mean, that up or? Yeah. I mean that you cheat, you know, I, I, I um, subscribed to decanter, which is a European magazine uh, online presence, which tends to test out sort of supermarket blends, for example, which we have a lot of in the, in, in the UK and Europe, as well as everything else, you know, you can look up what's the best non-vintage champagne for Christmas, that, that sort of thing. And then I'm, um, uh, a couple more online ones, including Wine Spectator. I, I join them, and I so if I ever go have to go through a menu, I cheat, and I look up, and I want to have somebody else say, "This is a really good bottle of wine, and it's okay for drinking between 2020 and 2027." And then I'm now I'm in the middle somewhere. So yeah, there's always information somewhere. Sometimes you have to pay a little bit for it, but um, Wine Searcher is a really good place that sort of collates. You won't get the notes, but you'll get all the scores. And, it, and, the, and there's a free version of Wine Searcher that'll give you the, the aggregated scores, the mean of the, all of them for anything that you're looking for. Um, and then even tells you where you can purchase it afterwards. So yeah, I, I cheat. I read it somewhere else. I don't have that sort of knowledge. Um, but um, you, know, you, you do tend to pick up eventually which years are good ones. You know, so for, um, for Northern Italy, 2015 was a great year and 2018 was a great year, for example. Yeah. Um, so, so no, it's cheat, with, cheat with a little bit of knowledge on the side. I think we all cheat a little bit as a starting point, and then when we drink the wine, you know, if you don't need a tums about fifteen minutes after you've had the glass, you definitely know that it was a little bit more drinkable. Uh, there, there is some raw wine that we, when we go to conferences, for sure, you know that after the second glass of that red wine you're going uh, the conference lobby uh red wine right the, i know it just doesn't work um and and that's when you know that you're not drinking the kind of wine that's going to you know give you some kind of experience if you will i well, use uh the vivino app because i can take a picture of the label uh and i think i think i have the paid version it's like like, I don't know, buck 99 or something like that. And you can store your entire uh, wine library in there, I think. Well, we have, we have on our camera, the lens thing. And when you, when you, when you move from camera to this lens, 
app on our camera, it basically looks at the, the picture of the bottle of wine that you're looking at and then gives you actually links to reviews. Well, yeah, I, I, I used, I tried Vivino, but it's, and I have to admit this, um, it's probably the inherent snob in myself. But if I'm going to have somebody else comment on the a food or wine, I want to be somebody that is a professional in that area rather than somebody, I don't know who this person is, what their day job is, et cetera. They may have a wonderful palate, but I'd rather trust the professional to give me that advice than the, the well-meaning, probably quite capable individual that I have no knowledge about. Well, you, you say that, and it probably, it's why we, anything on Vivino, we won't buy anything under a four. So even a three, nine will pass, but right. over a four is typically where it's like, oh, this is pretty good. Maybe not our favorite, but you know, it's not awful. But yeah, that's usually how we cheat. Yeah, there's a, there's a Wine Spectator app, um, which is pretty yep, good. You have, have to pay. you have to pay for that. And um, if you search, you don't always get every year of every vintage of every wine. But you'll normally get a picture if you know if all of them with a slightly different um, choice of vineyards, but with the same brand and the same year is a ninety-two. You know this one's not going to be a eighty. You know, sure. so that one's, I quite I quite like the one spectator one as well. Nice. But cheat, you have to cheat. I, I don't know how you guys collect two hundred bottles. I can't um, I can't seem to hold on to them that long. <laughs> uh, you just have to. You know, it, it, it's, 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 it's like uh, supply chain management. You have to make sure that you, you understand your um, time to deliver and um, plow through and your production rates, basically, of, of consuming wine. Mm-hmm. And you have to match it with making sure that there is an inbound supply of, of happy van drivers with crates of, of, of wine to try. And it's also your, your, you know, your goal in life. If you want to invest in wine, that's a whole different thing. If you're young and engaged and all, and have the money to do that. But I limit to about a little over a hundred bottles in part, because I figure when I stop <laughs> buying, I can probably still drink all the rest before the end. And, and I have no interest in leaving yeah. any, any bottles to my children, they don't drink wine. So my, my daughter likes beer, my son likes liquor. And you know, why why leave any of that shit for so if I bought it for myself, I'm gonna I wanna be able to drink it before, you know, before it's too late. So a hundred bottles is pretty good. It's a good yeah. There is a um my parents called me not long ago and they said uh Look, we're just getting all of our affairs in order. Should something happen, we want you to know that there's this and that that's left you. And I, they said, "What would you like?" I said, "I don't want any of your stuff. I don't want any of your money. I want, I want you to have such an enjoyable life that that you roll into that coffin hot, yeah. like that, like you are so spent and done. And your last check, I want it to bounce. I want exactly. you to just spend everything that, that is that is my favorite. My favorite line is that, you know, the day you go, your last check bounces. <laughs> I'd like my coffin to be closed because that's that's just how hard I went up until the end. It's like nobody just <laughs> no, just remember him the other way. But yeah, I'll ask all assets depleted. 
<laughs> Make yeah. good use of it. And wine, wine is, I think wine is just an extraordinary way to be able to enjoy or experience breaking bread with your friends, your colleagues, your family, etc. Um, so it just it's it's very enjoyable from that point of view. So Marcus, when did you when did you get into wine? Um, I mean, true. I mean, my, my parents have always loved wine, so it's probably part of you know why I was interested in it potentially. But I moved to San Francisco in 1998 at the age of 27, and my knowledge of wine pr prior to that was effectively zero. You know, I would have been exposed to a couple of nice bottles and a nice dinner with my parents, but you know, not much had sunk in. But having Napa on the doorstep, uh, Sonoma on the doorstep, which I discovered later, sadly, I wish I'd discovered Sonoma earlier. Oh. Um, uh, and then, you know, even further south, you can go south of San Francisco and also find some great wine. You know, whenever it was a crappy day in San Francisco, which weren't uncommon, and we had nothing better to do, it was, hey, should we go to Napa? And, you know, drive. basically jump in the car, you're at the bottom end in about 40, 45 minutes, and then you can just spend, you know, as much time as you like going as far up as you like. You can even, like, break, there's a Silverado trail on the back, and there's all kinds of, you know, variations on the theme. And, oh, this place is, it looks interesting. I've never been here before. And I have to admit, um, I used to have, a bit of an underhand um, practice, which was I would join every wine club that we stopped at on the way up and on the way back down. And when you do that, you give them your card details and um, you get your tastings for free and your whole group gets tastings for free. And probably three or four times, um, having done this, every time I came back to the city, I would destroy my debit card and order a new one. Hadn't been stolen or anything. I just said it, you know, just was needed replacing. So a month later, six weeks later, all of the wineries reached out to me and said, oh, we, we've been trying to um, send you your first crate of, of wine um, and we're un unable to. Please fill in this form and, and, and send it back to us so we can make sure that you get your wine that you would like. And of course, um, eventually they got wise to that and they said... <laughs> took a chunk of change out rather than just a promissory note saying i'd like to buy some wine at some point in the future um i think they made it a little bit more um uh safe 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 and tight to stop people from doing that so yeah i might have changed um uh, the policy for for joining wine clubs in, in so I, I had never joined a wine club until my second time living in california so a couple of years ago and uh we spent, we rented a little place near the beach in Carmel for about four months, a couple, like I guess a year ago. Yeah. And uh, there was a particular on the walk down to the beach, we would pass this, um, this little wine shop for the uh, Han, for the Han winery. Okay. And loved the staff at Han, loved it. I mean, we loved a couple there. Caraccioli was wonderful, but Han had this thing where if you remember, Anytime you stopped by, you got a free tasting. Well, I don't know that the dog has been walked so much <laughs> as, when, as when we had free tastings every time we walked by the Han shop. <laughs> so, yeah. which And they I think they appreciated seeing the dog more than they did us because we'd swing by there, I think, almost every day and get a free tasting. 
I and we still it. get the we still get the Han wine delivered out here in Texas now. It's great. Yeah, because back in back in ninety eight, a tasting was sort of five bucks, and you get three nice tastings for five bucks. Uh-huh. Now, if you don't go and you're not a member of a of the club, you're talking twenty twenty five bucks sometimes for a tasting. Oh, easy, if nice not more. Club. Yeah, it's more than that. Yeah, yeah. I I I belong to only two wine clubs. One is Antica, which is Antonori. And the other is uh, nickel and nickel, um, and so those, that's basically it. Other than that, I you know I, I look for modest priced wines that are drinkable, um, and I've I've learned to drink a lot more white wines in the last couple of years than ever before, and and enjoying them um, immensely in relation to that. We do, so you've spent some time in Monterey, Marcus, yeah. There is a winery uh, inland a little bit in, in the Monterey area called Odonata. And I think it used to be called Dragonfly, but then there were some okay. rights or whatever. So Odonata okay. is like the an, another name for a translation of Dragonfly, and I forget. It's not Gaelic. It's, it's something. Anyway, we rolled up on this place, and the guy is sort of introducing us around and one of the guys that works the land comes over with a shovel and he's chatting us up and he leaves and he says, well, that's the, that's the owner. And the, and he couldn't have been 30 something. And I guess he's on to this amazing, and the wine is fantastic. And we've been four or five times we've visited since joining, but you sit out there. It's just very, um, it's not pretentious. It's very, uh, the, the sommelier that comes out is incredibly personal uh, and just chats you up a little bit. And it's probably my, my second favorite vineyard, uh, that I visited the entire time that I was in California. So if you, and if you haven't been to it, the next time you're in the Bay area, I would highly recommend, uh, Odonata. Oh, how's it oh. spelled? O-D- uh, O-D-A-N-O-D-A-T-A. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Um, and we have another shipment that's coming out, but they do these really great, they have a really great model for how the, how the wine selections work and you can opt out of this. I mean, but the team there, I've never seen a more personal, uh, sort of team and conversation. And it's kind of a funny thing. Jerry and I were talking about this last year in that every, and you'll have to tell if it's the same for you, but every wine club we've ever joined was because we felt like we, we belonged there when we were visiting. We weren't, you know, somebody wasn't, you know, put out to help us and it wasn't a hassle. It felt like we were part of that family or part of that community. Uh, and that's how I ended up at uh, Caratielli and Han and Scribe and, you know, a couple of others. But um, that was the, wasn't so much that the wine was through the roof necessarily each time, but that we felt like that was somewhere we were supposed to be. Is that, do, do you, are you, do you have the same discerning sort of selection? Well, well, I mean, as I said, for, originally when I joined wine clubs, it was literally to be able to get the free wine as a, you know, as a as a person living with four other guys in a small house in San Francisco. You know, our our rent paid for not very much else afterwards, so that's why I did it originally. But no, that's very much the case now. It's um, um, uh, we we don't have wineries around here. They do grow wine in the UK, um, so the wine clubs you can join. You know, it's it's based on your affinity with how they deliver a message and the story they have to tell, and not selling too much. You know, it's 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 a fine line between being affable and you know 
pleasant to talk to without every third word turning to the cost of this bottle sort of thing. So it's a fine line. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's definitely a family feeling in some of these, a lot of these places have that sort of family vibe where, you know, everybody behind the bar is a cousin or a sister of the owner. And that tends to make it better. It tends to make it a little bit more friendly and welcoming rather than feeling, you know, they're just eyeing you up to sort of see what color Amex card you have in your wallet, basically. Well, and 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 the product is sufficient that um, you don't you don't need tums after the first class. <laughs> but but that's, <laughs> that's the other thing we found is when you went to Napa and Sonoma, is that you had to stop buying after the sort of the fourth or fifth winery. Oh yeah, because, because your appreciation for what's good and not completely disappeared. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, this is amazing. And um, yeah, you sort of your your standards definitely dropped a bit after. And, and especially in Napa, you need not to be the one who's driving because <laughs> always get a driver. The cost of getting pulled over in Napa oh. is is I think the highest in the country. I did one of the first lessons I think I learned working with Jerry directly was when we would do the dinners and and the little happy hours after the dinner, and we would always order a nice wine. But then around, you only had two or three people still hanging out at the end. And so we'd end up, yeah, let's get one more. Let's get a really nice bottle. And that's the opposite. <laughs> you should go because we could have been drinking a bottle of Josh towards the end of the evening and thought it was Jordan. And it <laughs> well, I don't have any uh, Sonoma trips planned uh, coming up, although now I kind of feel like I wish I did. Uh, Marcus, you've got some travel coming up. Are you are you hitting any are you hitting any wineries and vineyards? Well, TBD, you know, I'm I'm going to be at Talent Forty Two, assuming it's in person, um, and the plan will be to fly in and out of SFO, and then you know, the, and then make my way up to Seattle for the sort of the week in between. Mm -hmm. um, Vanessa, Vanessa's already put her hand up to to come and join me. So the hope will be that if we have two weekends, two full, two full weekends there, that one of them will be wine-related, sort of um, either, you know, we have a really good couple of friends who live in Napa, sorry, in um, Marin. So they're already that extra sort of 25 minutes closer to, to Sonoma and, and Napa. Um, so either staying there and heading up in an Uber for the day or just, you know, spending the weekend up there. So that's sort of um, early plans are being sort of formulated in that in that direction. I haven't. I've seen the. Uh, I know Talent Forty Two's up, but I haven't seen yet if if ERE or SourceCon have any live. I don't think they have any live dates planned yet. Just the just the Talent Forty Two. No, I don't think. But you're all the ERE family now, obviously. When is are we are we looking at Talent Forty Two, Chris? Uh, we're always looking at Talent Forty Two, Jerry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen anything from it. I haven't gone to look specifically. I saw the dates that they were up, but I haven't looked if there's an agenda or speakers or anything published yet. But um, I do like that part of the country for sure. It does make for an awfully nice road trip up, up the coast. If you go any time apart from June or July, Seattle's weather is much like it is outside the window right now. But um, in June and July, it's, their summers are pretty spectacular. It's about as pleasant and dry and uh, non-humid warmth um, you can probably find. So yeah, big fan of Seattle in the summer. 
Well, Marcus, let us know if you end up pulling the trigger on that. And then I think if Jerry and I are going to head out to 42 and, and anybody's up for a fun, maybe road trip, maybe that would be an interesting thing to sort of take on. Yeah, I'll be assuming I'll be flying up from, from the Bay Area to Seattle, but I'd happily drive that way and stop in a certain place in Oregon that we've already mentioned this evening and uh, um, Walla Walla and places like that. Yeah, that would be... That would, that, that would be looking for an excuse and, you know to get what? bus. Uh, Marcus, you're, you're, you would be a candidate for this, but one of my fantasies is to, is to go back to the laundry. Oh, the French laundry? The French laundry. There, obviously, there's, there's a whole host of issues about how you get into the French laundry, but there is an exception. And the exception is there is one outdoor table at the French laundry that's for 10 people. Okay. And you can, you can call to try to find a date for that anytime. You do not have to compete for that table. And wow. so my, my uh, fantasy would be to find 10 folks who would be willing on a given date to fly in for that experience. I mean, I think I'd love to put my hand up there. I, I have to admit, I have eaten at the French Laundry. I have uh, too. It was, it was um, the year, up to, not, it was either 1999 or 2000, so shortly after I moved to San Francisco. And uh, my parents came to visit, and I managed to get, I was on the phone, as you have to do, three months before. Yes. Three months before, and, right. And you call and call, and I got through, and I got a table, and the only table was the last sitting of the day. We didn't care. We're sort of European, so that wasn't a major problem. And so I took my parents, you know, this is 20-year-old oh, me, to, to, to French Laundry by way of sort of saying thanks for everything. You know, seven years of boarding school and uh, university and various extra costs they weren't expecting on top of that. Um, and so sort of my way of saying thanks. And it was uh, extraordinary. And then my, my parents insisted they pay for the wine. So I paid for the food and then they bought the wine, you know, as, as sort of a um, reciprocatory thank you very much as well. And uh, it was, as you expect, wonderful. And the best thing was, yeah. is because we were the last table of the day, they came out with a second set of desserts for us because they had a couple extra left. That sounds like a strategy to me. I think it's, it is a strategy. We had, I used a concierge service they um, they called and said, no, we could not get you um, a date, I mean, a time, but you're on the waiting list. And then two days before we actually left for Napa, I got a call and they said, hi, this is so-and-so from the French Laundry. Um, you had, you know, you're on the waiting list and uh, we've had a cancellation of four people. Would you be interested? And they said, and I said, yes. And they said, but you, here's the conditions. You can only have four people. You can't have more and you can't have less. And I said, okay, four it is. And they go, and um, it, it would be okay. You're going to be able to pay half of that now. And there is no, you know, you don't get it back. <laughs> But I, wait, I want to know, though, what happens if you show up with three? 
I get five and they say, I don't know. Have that I don't party. know. But three, do they turn the whole party away and keep half? I, I don't, I don't you know. They are pretty. To you're you going to pay four. for four. You're going to you pay for some four. boxes to take home is what I hear you say. I'm, I, no, I think you're going to pay for four and you're going to get three. <laughs> I'm paying for four. I'm getting four. I hear you. <laughs> then you're going to have to sit in two seats. But the but, um, you know, they the date, the time frame that they ask you to show up is so that they can greet you individually. Oh, so you don't see the other that guy. is the purpose. There's not there's not 20 people showing up at five o'clock. No. You're you're showing up at five twenty five or seven, whatever or whatever it is. And when you show up, they know who you are because that you're the only people showing up at that time is you. And, and uh, that's to say, that, that, that was the most amazing thing about the French yeah. Laundry, was the service was in no way pretentious whatsoever. It was completely sort of laissez-faire. No one, you didn't see someone lingering like you sometimes get. I didn't every see anybody finished, around me. Exactly. But every time you finish something, sort of lost in thought and, you know, enjoying the wine or whatever you're chatting about, Something's whisked away and something new arrives. You, you <laughs> yeah. just don't see them. It's brilliant. That, it's amazing. I can't, I can't overstate this, but you know, you'd have 10 courses, and after each course, the mater D, whatever, came to kind of debrief you about the course that you just had, that they had explained in detail how it was going to be delivered and all of that kind of stuff. So as they're as he's debriefing you, you suddenly look down and Everything that you had in front of you was disappeared. Some, but somehow, some some elves had had come <laughs> and taken all the shit off your off the table. Food elves? Did you have food elves? Zombies <laughs> dinner. And, and then and then when you looked again, it was all reset for the next stage. And I'm I'm going, how the fuck did they do this? Unbelievable. <laughs> Um, so yes, it was the the ambiance was pretty extraordinary, very different than anything I'd experienced before. Um, and so yes, it was well worth the 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 kind of show um, as well as the food itself. I, I'd love to go again as not quite such an impecunious 28, 29 year old and 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 and, and sort of see. How it's changed in my view. I, yeah, yeah, me up. If you if you're going the week before Talent Forty Two, I'd love to be part of that. That'll be we'll really we'll uh, we'll we'll make a consideration here. <laughs> it's got possibilities. If we can if we can suck ten people into into doing this and showing up, you know, at a given time, given date, whatever, it would be pretty pretty interesting. Um, a conversation for sure. Well, we'll put the calendar together. So, by the way, I know of a couple of other British um, talent acquisition leaders who I've worked with previously who now live in the Bay Area. Yeah. Who I've been trying to sort of push in the direction that this is something you should be doing. They were, they one's still at Google, which makes it difficult. One's left Facebook. Facebook are probably never going to be part of it, but I've been trying to push in the direction. So there are potential. Um, future clients now that they're sort of moving on from their from their big um, monolithic com companies so um and they're both very interesting folks for for um, an interesting alcoholic uh <laughs> of some description 
Okay. All right. It, it sounds right. like it sounds like as we're putting the calendar together, it we sounds, got... sounds like an opportunity as we as we put our calendar together for sure. All right. So uh, look, let's wrap this way. And I, and I want to give a um, for anybody who may or may not be listening. Uh, it's Odonata. So it's O D O N A T A. It occurred to me as we were talking about it. Uh, and I think the website is like odonatawines.com or something like that, but it's odonata. But okay. my, my lazy uh, lips say odonata. Uh, anyway, but so uh, taking us out of this, give us, give us, uh, both of you give us, because you're both big wine aficionados, give us, give us one line, one takeaway for somebody trying to figure out what kind of wine they like, how they should start or where they should look. So Marcus, let's, we'll start with you. I'm just, I'm just figuring out wine. What, what should I do to figure out what I like? I'll be honest. Ask. You're not going to do, you know, we, we, we talked about cheating because that's the stage we're at. But when you start, you know, um, don't be shy about going into a wine shop. I wouldn't go into Safeway, but go into, <laughs> go into a nice wine shop. K&L Wines in SF, brilliant wine shop. Don't know if you've been there, but it's outstanding. They deliver all over the US. I use them always for sending wines around the place, even today. Um, go in a place like that. Be honest about what you like and what you don't like. You know, I hate woody Chardonnay. Okay, we'll stay away from that. Um, uh, do you like it fruity or do you like apple um, sort of taste? Okay, that'll direct you in a different way. I think that's the best way to learn is to um, be a little bit modest and vulnerable potentially and, you know, trust the person who. Frankly, their job is to get you to like enough of the stuff that they can give you or sell you um, to the point where you come back and ask for more. So it's, it's absolutely in their jobs to do it. They're not tied to one winery like they would be up in Sonoma or Napa or elsewhere. And they can probably, you can probably build a friendship over time with, you know, come back and say, I like this, but it was a bit too many tannins or yep. something, something about it. That's that's honestly how I recommend it. Um, uh, don't be. I'm not the best example of this because I do tend to lean heavily, heavily, heavily to red. I love a rosé when it's a super hot day. I don't drink much white wine, but I still enjoy it when I get it. So I'm I'm definitely biased towards the red. But the other recommendation would be, don't not try something because you think you've heard something about it. Um, take the recommendations, even if it's something that you think you don't historically like you probably had a bad bottle of two buck chuck and the 20 buck chuck is a lot better than the two buck chuck so that'd be my recommendation nice i love it and jerry how about you when i started to get involved in wine i was over 50 years old and and it came because of a variety of different kinds of things but someone had said you know, stop doing this and start having a glass of wine a day and you're going to be a lot better off. And I knew very little about wine. And so I did exactly what Marcus uh, reflected on. And it wasn't so much going to a wine store or a store and saying, hey, what could you give me to try it? But I had friends who by and large were willing to introduce me, people who I knew liked wine. And folks like Masters, Master, for example, um, introduced me to some wine that I go, holy shit. <laughs> that's that's not, not anything I've had before. 
So it's it's the opportunity to to tell people who who actually like wine, who might be in your in your network, uh, to give you something that they like, so that you can go, hmm, I like this, or no, you know, it's not, I can't, I can't get it. And and quickly, you're gonna you're gonna start having exactly what Marcus said, which is. Hmm, I'd like something a little sweeter. I'd like something not so sweet. I would like something that I taste the fruit or I'd like something different than what I what I have now. So when I go to a restaurant, for example, I tell them I like um, Italian wines that are blends, that I like uh, red wines, but I'm happy to try, you know, a variety of things. And I like fruit forward, and I like something that is less than this cost. Right. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise they're going to tell you, "Oh, here's something Way much more expensive than you're willing to do." <laughs> so I, I'm very clear on the price, and and I I offer this as a very important thing: is you need to tell them what you're comfortable paying for. If you know, I'm comfortable paying. $100 for a bottle of wine at a restaurant that would cost $50 if I went into a store. I'm not comfortable paying $250 for a bottle of wine. So so to be honest about that and say look I'd like a bottle of wine that that you think is the best that you can offer at $70 and they'll they'll give you something relative to that. If if you really want to go to a restaurant and buy something that's 20 bucks, you're still going to get, you know, two buck check chuck because that's what they that's what they charge for two buck chuck. Yeah, but you can wash it down nicely with your catfish. It would be great. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. Whatever you might eat. And you can clean your pennies in it as well. <laughs> There's that. Yeah, just add a little coke. <laughs> Cali Mocha, right? That's what the Spanish call it. Crappy red wine and coke. Cali Mocha. <laughs> oh, that makes me sick in my stomach just thinking about it. Not great. <laughs> All right. Well, Marcus, uh, as always, thank you so much for giving us some time. We really appreciate your insight. Fun conversation about wine. We didn't talk a whole hell of a lot about anything, TA, but that's okay. Okay. We have plenty of time to do that in the future. For sure. And maybe even in a bus ride all the way up the coast. Perfect. And if you feel so inclined as uh, uh, COVID allows in the coming year, I'm happy to find another bottle of wine and do this again. So just let me know. This is I think that's, that sounds like a deal. Look forward to it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Career Crossroads Uncorked. Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin look forward to sharing more drinks and conversation with you next time. Until then, cheers.